Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by uh, the venerable Ian Boyd, X's and O's expert of uh, InsideTexas.com, as well as Jerry Hamilton. Uh, guys, how's it going on this Friday? It's going good, man. Cheap Final Four tickets everywhere. Have at them. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're down in Houston and want to see some good basketball, but don't necessarily care who wins, uh, make sure you, you you check out the, the Final Four. Uh, the price of tickets have just plummeted. Uh, there's been uh, all kinds of talk uh, across Twitter, et cetera. Uh, once uh, not only Houston, obviously, uh, got knocked out in the Sweet 16, but Texas uh, eliminated by Miami in the Elite Eight. Uh, it has been one of those situations. Uh, guys, uh, it is now the third week of spring practice. Uh, this is the second week back, I believe, uh, for the Longhorn football team. Uh, they're expected to have another scrimmage-like setting tomorrow. Uh, they've had two practices so far this week on both Tuesday and Thursday. We've got some information on that for you uh, today. We also want to talk a little bit of recruiting as we're getting ready to go into the April uh, time period where we're going to have more guys back in. Jerry is going to talk about that. Uh, and then we have some other questions that we're going to take uh, as well as your own questions. Uh, and we have our weekly trivia question uh, as well, which I have not told the guys yet what that's going to be. So they're going to have to guess uh, with the rest of you uh, as well. Um, all right. I want to say thank you before we get started to our sponsor, uh, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking for a to control your own destiny, be your own boss, give MyPerfectFranchise.net uh, a shout. That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He's got a really cool process. He goes over uh, basically what time you have available for yourself, uh, what your skill sets are, and then tries to find uh, a franchise business that is suitable uh, to you uh, and best to you. And that's Andy Ludicky. He's a good friend of ours, Andy, at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Jerry, I'm going to start off with you, bud. Uh, you've read The Humidor. You've read some of Eric Nolene's comments. We've seen some of our own uh, and, and listened to some of our own stuff. What's the, the latest take you have uh, from spring practice at this point? Yeah, I think um, uh, the offensive line depth is, I think, is a really good feeling around the program. Uh, in in a very improved position, not just an improved position, but the quality of players coming in. Um, look, I uh, somebody told me a couple of days ago that Jaden Chapman, Connor Stroh, uh, Peyton Kirkland, those guys belong. Uh, and look, there's work to be done, but they belong. Uh, they they're proven they belong early. And obviously, Peyton Kirkland, seeing him in high school, he has to match that physicality to the talent level. But if he continues to do that, um, kids got a lot of upside. So I, I think that is really something that has been resonated with me is that it, we expected Arch Manning to be ready to compete. You know, you expected the Anthony Hills, Malik Muhammad's, those guys from the big time programs in Texas to be ready to go in and compete. Um, the offensive line guys, they're not competing for starting jobs, but what the, the word is, they are they belong with the group that's there. And, and that's about as good a compliment as you can give these guys right now. Yep. Uh, Ian, uh, what about you, bud? What are you hearing and, and what are you uh, paying most attention to at this point? About halfway through spring ball. Well, the, the depth in the secondary with guys who can cover and cover and man coverage and play tight on guys is extraordinary. Like unlike we've seen in, in a while at Texas. Uh, the way Keaton Crawford is coming on, his ability to to drop down on a slot, it's just it's just one more guy. Like you really want you really want three guys on the field who can play credible man coverage against a spread team. And Texas may be able to play like four next year between the nickel, the corners, and, and Crawford if he starts. Uh, that's just really that's just really something. But there's a lot that they can do, uh, maybe to 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 make up for the lack of uh, dominant edge just by being able to bring different bliss packages. And then I think the depth in the interior defensive line has been really uh, promising for Texas. It sounds like uh, Alfred Collins is coming on pretty well. Um, Aaron Bryant, it sounds like he's actually doing pretty good. He's, he's coming along as well. And uh, and then obviously Tavondre Sweat and, and Byron Murphy have been exactly what you would hope they would be. So it's, I mean, that's kind of like a Georgia type formula where you can just 
lock people down and just have waves of hard to move people up front. That's a that's going to be tough for Big Twelve teams next year. Jerry, uh, the mention, the mere mention of uh, Alfred Collins gives you shivers. Uh, <laughs> we're aware of your uh, man crush there, uh, but no, seriously, uh, Jerry, you've been talking about him for um, you know two years now, saying he's the guy probably uh, that should be up there. Look, I put this poll up this morning just to see what people thought. Uh, I put it up on the On Texas Football page. Who is the surprise of spring? Alfred Collins leading the way, 32%. Keaton Crawford at 30 DeAndre Moore, the true freshman out of California, getting some love. And then Gavin Holmes, the transfer for Wake Forest. A lot of people are saying, hey, how about Savion Red? How about Jaden Blue? What about those guys? Uh, and reality of it is you're limited on number of options you can actually put out there. Uh, and I thought those were the top four. Uh, but, Jerry, you continue to hear positive things. Steve Sarkeesian followed that up in his yeah. presser on Thursday by mentioning Collins, giving you some uh, even more fodder uh, to, to think about. And, and you know, I look at it in – I think the top two defensive tackles for Texas are uh, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Yes. Because they're proven, right? You know what you're getting. After that, Alfred Collins is a lottery ticket, in my yeah. opinion. Um, Vernon Broughton is kind of a known quantity, but he doesn't have the ceiling the other guys do, um, or the or the floor. What what do you think about Alfred Collins and and where he's at in the process and where he needs to get come uh, August? Well, it's. Um, you know, uh, that first day we're at spring practice, we could tell he looked different physically, which, you know, he's going into his contract year. And so some people say he has no contract here. Well, all these guys that are this talented do. Um, so he looked better physically. Then I kept I, I kept hearing he's playing violent, you know, so it's one thing for him to be quick. It's another thing for him to be a physical player. Uh, but of all the guys in this program, look, uh, on defensive side of the ball, um, there's – there, I mean, maybe you could name one other guy that has his upside ability. I, you may not be able to either, though. I mean, you know, you're talking about the guy that Nick Saban battled for. You know, I mean, in, in the guys that, you know, Oklahoma, LSU, they may really battled. I mean, Ed Orgeron knows defensive linemen now. Uh, Pete Jenkins was his D-line coach. And they all love this kid coming out. And I loved him, too. And he's been – Look, his talent levels never changed. His productivity and consistency have really disappointed me, and I'm sure Texas. Uh, but he's one of those guys. I said it last year. Now I'm to a senior year saying it again. If he ever, if he has one year playing up to his ability, one he goes from undrafted to like a third, second, or third round guy. He's got that much talent. But what that does for Texas, because he would be the best interior pass rusher they have, bar none. So what he would add to this defense would make everybody better if he brings it next year. And that's what you look at with him, not where he'd be drafted next uh, April, but what he would do for the team if he actually maximized his ability for 13 straight games. It would be pretty scary uh, to, considering his sweat and, and Murphy, what we know they'll do. All right. I, I want to get to our poll, our trivia question now. And uh, this comes uh, in the face of uh, – of uh, our guy, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, calling it quits today. Uh, he has, I think, a 12-year. How long was he in the I, – I think he was selected, drafted back in 2006, Jerry. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he played 16 years, essentially, yeah. 15 years. <laughs> He's made a lot of money in, in He's the He's made game. $213 million before an endorsement deal. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> That's a lot of wampum. Hey, but but uh, that that brings up my question. Based based on this, uh, the the trivia question uh, today is going to be brought to you by Last Stand Hats. Uh, Last Stand Hats. Use the promo code Bobby ten for ten percent off any and all hats uh, for the foreseeable future. Here, LastStandHats.com, uh, including the one I'm wearing right now. Uh, just get ten percent off. 
but here's the trivia question uh, brought to you by Last Hand Hats. And this is, what pick overall was LaMarcus Aldridge in the NBA draft of 2006? What pick overall was LaMarcus Aldridge? This one was a layup, and I'm not missing this one. <laughs> yeah. I'll give a hint. Same pick as uh, another Texas Longhorn right after him. Interesting. Anybody got it? It looks like, I could be wrong, it looks like Nathan got it first, at least on my my board, it shows Nathan first. Second overall, uh, you know, we look, I look back at that draft, Jerry. Here, here's the top five. Andrea Barganini. Yeah. All right. Barganini. He was number one. Yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge, who was actually picked by the Bulls, then traded to the Blazers uh, to start his career. Adam Morrison, the old Gonzaga guy, yeah. or Gonzaga guy. Tyrus yeah. Thomas. Uh, and then Sheldon Williams. Those were the top five. That was a bad draft. That was a well, bad draft. Um, you know, you can say what you want. Brandon Aldridge Roy was 20,000 points in the NBA. I mean, he's the one off that. Yep, no doubt. Raise here's, the, here's, the crazy, here's the crazy thing. Kevin Durant goes number two in 2007, and Greg Oden was number one. So that's both times Texas guys went number two. Hypothetically, they should. Well, Durant was easy, but he couldn't bench press a blah blah blah. But uh, two guys should have gone number one in the draft, yeah, no doubt. All right, thanks, uh, Nathan, uh, for everybody's participation. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge uh, retires after a 16 year, uh, lucrative, 60 <laughs> lucrative and productive 16 year NBA career. Uh, hey, Ian, do you want some of that money? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, is he, uh, is he offering it? <laughs> no, I, th I think he's. I think he's got a house for his shoes, actually. <laughs> if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ian, I wanted to get to you uh, because one of the things we've heard uh, at this point uh, is that Texas, as yet, doesn't have a definitive starter at one of the edge positions. Um, and Baron Sorrell certainly is a starter, but the op opposite him is a mixture of Ethan Burke, Justice Finkley. Jamon Tapp, Chris Ross even is getting mentioned now. There is no definitive starter on that, on that side of, of the Longhorns defense. Um, my question to you is, how big of an issue will that be if Texas doesn't get what look get a definitive starter uh, prior to uh, August? Do they need to go to the – I mean, I think they're going to try to go to the portal if they can find someone good enough, but you may not be able to. Yeah, it'd have to be a really big name to really be worth it. I think they have, probably have a lot of guys that could be pretty solid, and they just may not have a dominant impact guy. So if one of those becomes available, or a guy that you think could be that within a fall, you grab him. I kind of wonder if um, it'll just come down to you know the season. Uh, I, it does seem like they'd like Ethan Burke maybe to win that Buck job just because of his pass rushing ability. Finkley, I don't know if Finkley, I don't, I think he may be a better fit at Jack than at Buck because he really is a pretty solid run stopper. But um, I just don't, he's not a natural pass rusher. He didn't do it that much on the edge in high school. And his, he doesn't have like the prototypical tools for it either. As Jerry will tell you, he doesn't have the reach and he's not like blazing fast. He's more of like a motor guy. Um, run stopper quick, but, um, so him and Sorrell is not like a very fearsome pass rushing pairing. So I, it's, I think they would like it to be Burke if he can be up for it. They can also sub guys in and out, but when you do that, you, uh, you just leave yourself vulnerable to tempo teams that, that rush up to the line of scrimmage on third down and they don't let you sub your guys in. But, um, I don't think it's crippling. It last year, it wasn't crippling. They weren't, They'll probably be better than they were last year, but it may be it may be something that dings them from really going from being like to me they look like they could be a real a great top ten level defense in the college football next year. I think right now they look like a top ten defense, but to be like a number one defense or a playoff drive you to the playoff defense, they really need that that pass rusher. They need to they need someone that can make negative plays. That's why Alfred Collins is such a big piece of what Jerry's talking about. I think. He's just not on the edge. Um, and yeah. I, I agree with a, a lot of what you had to say there, Ian. Um, the other thing that that I think is interesting, Jerry, and you talked, 
I want you to talk about this because we are for the first time hearing Chris Ross's name uh, as a possible guy. Now that they've actually moved him outside full time, he's no longer trying to play inside at his size. Um, what what exactly does he bring to the table? Is you know, is it just? I'm concerned that it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks right now. Because yeah. the, the problem I have with all of these guys, true sophomores, every single one of them, Burke, Finkley, Ross, no age experience uh, to them. Now, Finkley, from a uh, physique standpoint, uh, has proven to be uh, beyond his age. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Tell us a little bit about Ross, though, and what he brings to the table that may be a little different than Burke or Finkley. Yeah, you know, he's a naturally explosive kid. I mean, you're talking about a 60-plus shot, shot put guy, right? I mean, uh, now he was trained for that. His mom was a track coach at Southern University. But still, you have to have the explosiveness. But the thing that was crazy about him throwing that far, he's a very long-arm guy. He's explosive ankle Flexion, explosive in his hips, explosive in his core. He's one of those naturally explosive guys. Um, and he's got an 80, I believe, 82-inch wingspan on a six, two and a half frame. So he's very long, big hands. I'd have to go back and look from old Under Armour camps. I believe 10 and a half, 10 and a quarter inches. Um, but he's a he's a guy who does have that initial explosive ability. Um, and if he can learn to do that. As, from a pass rush standpoint, he might be better than anybody else Texas has. He's definitely more physically gifted. I'll say that. And he's just always been – he's been an anomaly to me because he was 267 pounds his last high school game when he dominated the state shot title game. And he's 247, 248 this spring. Uh, so, obviously, he's at the position he has the best chance to succeed now. And you kind of wonder if he takes that, if he ends up being their best pass rusher, is he the guy that ultimately plays – opposite Baron Sorrell, that might be for Ian, because the one thing we know about Ross is, like you said, those negative plays. Ross has that in him. He's always done that at the high school level. He just did it from the interior being quicker than everybody else and having more length. Uh, but if he proves to be maybe their best edge guy because he can bend, he is explosive, he is long, then you know that they might have found something there, not meaning to find something in recruiting. Yeah, uh, I think it's possible it, – I, 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 from what I've heard, he does, he is fairly sudden on the edge. Yeah. Uh, he's got the reach, like he said, and the power. He, I mean, if nothing else with maybe a year, he could learn like Sorrell to use his, uh, his leverage and uh, his raw strength to just kind of bully his way to the quarterback. Uh, Ian, I want to stay with you here. And, and this is a personal opinion question. I don't think there's a definitive right or wrong answer for you guys. Uh, from Jackie McArdle. Is it better to go for edge in the portal or can we de develop our own edge players? I think you can develop them. I just think that it takes time. I mean, Baron Sorrell is an example. I mean, he was okay last year to good. This coming year, he's probably going to be good to very good, right? It's just a natural progression, but he's also going to be a true junior. He's had, you know, 24, 28 months or whatever it is of of training in a college weight program. It just takes time. Do you think Texas would be best served going and getting a guy that's a fourth year senior, fourth year junior uh, out there? Uh, or do you think they should wait and develop their own in-house uh, based on the fact that they're all sophomores, Ian? Who's in the portal? Uh, I agree. Well, for, for what's in the portal. Right the, the, like the Florida state defensive end that just went in, not Jared verse, but the, the other one. I mean, he's a guy, potentially. Oh, I don't know about that. I'd have to look at him. I, I think that they can probably develop their way to being pretty good. I think they have the right. I mean, if there's one thing Pete Kwiatkowski can do, it's develop edges over. I mean, we just saw it last year. Uh, they went from bad to solid in a year. So uh, I, I think that they can they can probably get there. But if there's a guy in the portal, you go get him, right? Especially if it's a senior that's not going to that's not going to scare anybody on the depth chart off because they know that they are year away anyway, but you know, we'll see. Jerry, I saw you shaking your head. Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely go to the portal and get the guy if he's there. Um, because look, I mean, the reality of where things are at is um, this is year three for Sark. 
And, you know, you got to develop these guys, but there's also a pressure to go from eight to 10 wins this year. Um, and so the development can't be done on Saturdays necessarily. It has to be done <laughs> before that. And Saturdays needs to be production. Um, and that needs to be a guy that can help them get from eight to 10 this year. So I think if there's a guy, I don't think they'll hesitate. And that's nothing against the guys on campus and their ability to develop, but I don't even think it'll be a question. I think they have to as well. I, I think it's too big of, of a open question mark to leave to question, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like they, they've got to do it. All right, speaking with uh, Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, uh, we're now going to, to go to that uh, segment where we start taking questions uh, from the audience. Uh, please fill it up. Uh, we'll get to them as quickly as possible. Jerry, I'm starting with you. For the 2023 recruiting class enrolling in the summer, so the guy, not the 14 that are already here, do you all see Derek Williams and the TEs possibly grabbing any playing time? I think this is a great question, especially on Derek Williams, because Texas has more experience at safety. They got, I think they're better at safety than they were last year, right? With what's on campus. And we're factoring in Catalan being a healthy enough player to give them 30, 40, 50 snaps a game, right? But I, that Derek Williams was one that hurt me not being an early enrollee because I said, this guy, when you start hearing Sark and Michael Griffith say a first round pick, and then you know what you've seen in person, you're like, okay. We're all on the same page on this guy. But what my point is, if he comes in in June and then in August practices, gets on the field early, that Texas has a really special player. That That's kind of where I'm going with this one. If he can bust through and get any time this year, we start hearing things about him, then the, what was said is, is going to end up being confirmed on him. And he's got a world of talent. And it'll be interesting to see how big he is when he gets there. I mean, I've said before on the show a few times, Dad's six six. Mom's six foot six one. The people at Westgate High, the head coaches, those guys are thinking this kid's going to be six three, six four, two hundred twenty pounds in a couple of years. So, but still have the athleticism to play safety. And at Under Armour, he had as good a feet in the DB drills as the corners did. I saved maybe one guy. So he he's got special ability. So if he was able to break through, then that would be a great sign for the future for Derek Williams and Texas at that position. Tight ends, I kind of agree with what Bobby said. I, I could see Spencer Shannon as a blocker. If he comes in, he's physically ready to go um, because I think that that would give them um, a, another element at the tight end position in the run game that maybe could be lacking a little bit. Yeah, just size-wise. He's got yeah. some length uh, that maybe can help them on the edge, uh, whereas Juan Davis uh, is just a more athletic tight end right i think and, and that's uh one of those things all right uh, thanks for your question. hey and by thanks the way we need, by the way we need to we need to address this real quick bobby with deuce robinson going to usc that does add a little pressure on texas now not portal next year if jadavion sanders has a healthy year and goes off to the nfl I don't think it's going to come from recruiting. I think that they're going to have to go into the portal and grab a tie, an experienced high-level tight end next year. If they're available. Yeah. I mean, you got to find those guys. I mean, again, it's like Ian said, like, tell me who's in the portal. Tell me who's in the portal. Yeah. Family. And then, then – Yeah, exactly. Ian, hey, thanks for your question. At least on that, tight ends are often guys that kind of pop in college. Right. And so, they're like, some of the greatest tight ends you've heard of were not blue chippers out of Correct. high school so there is a decent chance you could go out to like up here in michigan go to the directional schools around here in the mac and you could maybe find a guy that could uh that could give you know you can't replace jativian sanders probably but it could give you a, maybe a little closer than you would from a freshman or from gunner helm or whatever seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I'm joking, but I'm not. Whoever Iowa's third string tied in is right. <laughs> well, you can get a call. <laughs> Hey, a couple knows, years ago, it could have been Iowa State's third team tight end. Kansas, the State of Iowa. Kansas State, not for tight end, but Kansas State has been picking off Iowa backups that get bored. They're like, well, whoever Iowa 
whoever's bored at Iowa is probably really good. Yeah. It's got a receiver that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one from Gabriel Guardo. Uh, excuse me there. Any thoughts on players we could potentially see transferring out of Texas after spring tech, uh, spring practice has concluded? We have a lot of thoughts. I, and I'm, I'm speaking for both Jerry and Ian here. We hear things behind the scenes. Uh, but we've decided as a group not to really go into that. Um, and so let's let uh, things settle for themselves uh, and let the, let those guys have their time and make their own decisions. Uh, but there's going to be some. Jerry? Uh, by the way, it is important for us to say two weeks out from the portal opening again. Yeah. I mean, think about how crazy this is for college coaches. So for, for those that don't know, the portal opens right after the end of spring practice. So we're two weeks out essentially from the portal opening. The same time the spring evaluation period starts and the college coaches are supposed to go on the road for their 40 days. So now these staff have that they're going to have to wait who leaves, who do you need to bring in in the portal, and you're out spring evaluating, getting ready for uh, finishing up your board in 2024, getting ready for June official visits. But that that portal opens in two weeks, and that'll be our next crazy time here for uh, covering Texas recruiting before the official visits in June for 24 kids. All right. That good stuff there, Jerry. Uh, all right. Let's go on to this one right here. Uh, who would be ideal portal additions for men's basketball this year? Um, a lot of basketball questions in the last couple of weeks, obviously with the run, but now that uh, Rodney Terry has, has been named the head coach, Jerry, it's interesting to me that the list you keep putting up on inside Texas is very interesting in that you're saying, look, these are the guys that are likely coming back, and these are the guys we don't know. And there's a lot of we don't knows uh, for the Longhorns beyond the guys that are graduating or leaving, wow. like D, like uh, excuse me, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, uh, Sir Javari Rice, um, Christian Bishop, those guys. I'm talking about uh, other just uh, regular players. I mean, you, you're saying only two guys for sure coming back right now, Brock Cunningham and uh, the Alex, uh, Anamakwa. Yeah. Anamakwa. yeah, I mean, so where, where does this happen and what, what's going on with men's basketball? Yeah, I think, and I think that's, that's not me being negative. That's just reality of where things are at in college sports. Now, um, look, I, Tyrese Hunter says he'll have news soon. I mean, here's the thing you never know. And I'm not saying Tyrese Hunter's not coming back. The thing you never know is what's on the table at NIL from other schools. You, we just, you, this is, we're just in a different day and age now. Um, because the way Texas fans may look at Tyree Center is really good player, maybe wasn't as good as we thought. Well, other programs may be looking at him as saying, man, that's kind of our missing piece. I mean, that dude guarded, you know, he guarded the heck out of Miami. That's right. And, and when, he was and, healthy, uh, when, when he got healthy, he was really, really good. And so here's where it's all going to be impacted for Texas. Tyree Hunter's decision. Arterio Morris's decision and Dylan Mitchell's decision. And I'm going to leave DSU fourth because you know, I still think he probably comes back, but we'll see. I don't he, – he, I think that's where that's headed, but we'll see in a week or so. But if Hunter says he's in, well, that takes a big piece off the table. Um, Morris and Mitchell are big ones for me because right now Texas needs a guard and a big in the portal. If Morris were to leave, and I'm not saying he is, just so everybody's clear, but he's got to be able to block out the DFW noise and just – and realize where he needs to be to develop and the guys that can help him get there. And that's TJ Ford and some of the guys that are around this program. But he's got to be able to block out the noise because a lot of people have opinions now for kids that didn't play as much as they thought they were. But if Morris leaves, then Texas needs two guards in the portal. Pretty simple. If Dylan Mitchell leaves, Texas needs to get two bigs in the portal. Not that Mitchell's a big, but Ron Holland is coming in as a combo forward, and he's going to eat up a lot of those minutes. Um but Dylan Mitchell is that athletic rebounding um, and guy can really run the floor. But the bottom line is if you lose Bishop and Mitchell, then you got to go get two bigs out of the portal or a big and a combo forward uh, to help to play alongside or behind Ron Holland and getting guys to come in and roles and big minutes is uh, not play big minutes is, is tough. Uh, Texas likes Reese uh, Dixon waters, the six pack 12, six man of the year out of USC who's in the portal is six, five, 210 pound guard or has two years experience. That makes sense. If Terrio comes back, um, with A.J. Johnson coming in as an experienced guard that would play a six-man role and has been productive at it. Uh, they love uh, Caden Siraki. I think it's uh, – I, I, I'm not pronouncing his last name right. The big out of Virginia. 
um, that transferred from the University of Virginia, 6'10 and a half kid. That's Indiana, I think, in Texas are probably the top two. We'll see where it goes in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but right now, I think the number's two. If anybody else leaves, that may be a second guard in the portal. That may be a second big in the portal. I don't think right now they're taking another high school kid. That could change, uh, but I don't think right now they are. I think they're looking at experience, guys. All right. I uh, appreciate that answer, Jerry. I, guys, um, please get your questions in. Jerry Hamilton, uh, Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, taking your questions uh, this hour here on this live stream. Uh, the live stream is brought to you by Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, look no further than franchise opportunities with MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy takes you through a uh, testing scenario, kind of test what your skills are, what you want to do with your time, with your time, how much money you need to make or want to make, uh, and then spits out a, a list of franchises that fit your uh, group of needs. Uh, anyways, give him a shout, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He can put you through the same uh, sort of uh, uh, quiz uh, that he does with so many people that have been successful with some franchises. All right, I want to keep going here and ask, keep getting back to questions. Uh, Jerry, this one's for you. Or, excuse me, wait, I just missed the wrong one. Wait a minute. Hold a second. Here it is. Jerry, give me some good news on DL recruiting. This is from Travis Newgard. Would love McKinley, Beavers, or the Oak Ridge kid. How likely is it we get at least one of the three and then build off that with January, Alex January out of Duncanville and others? I think it's a great question. Um, but you want to have a couple of guys in the boat by July. And then if some of these guys play it out a little bit longer, you want to have that one, maybe two spots left. Um, look, I think Dominic McKinley, he's a pretty open recruitment. Um, he's not a lock to go to LSU based on a visit down there a few weeks ago. Not that that can't change, but he's not a lock to stay in state. Um, you know, he's been on campus at Texas. He's been to Oklahoma. He's been to A&M. Alabama is going to be right there in it. Uh, will he get back for a June official visit? Texas is working on that. Um, is he a kid that decides before senior year? I think there's a decent chance he does. Um, and he's going to be as high on the board as anybody. Cam Beavers is a tough one. He's one of those. Bobby knows this. There's certain kids in Mississippi that are hard to get on campus, unless you're LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, or Mississippi State, and maybe Auburn. Um, to this point, Beavers has been that guy. Um, there's contact. There's not enough contact. Um, he's absolutely one of the best interior D-line prospects in the country. But the question is, is this one going to go the way of a Chris Jones recruitment where everybody tries, but nobody can actually get him <laughs> outside of the area? Um, and we'll see how that plays out because Mississippi State of Mississippi is one of the more interesting states in recruiting because they really play for keeps to keep their guys home. I mean, they'll pull over an Alabama coach crossing the state line, a, a Mississippi <laughs> policeman will and tell them to go back home. It's happened before and it will happen again. And Bobby's laughing because he's probably heard these stories. I mean, anything goes in Mississippi to keep those guys home. Uh, so that's where that one's at. You know, Oak Ridge, I think, look, and I, I want to say, too, Joseph Jonah Johnny, I think he's going to end up a five-star prospect. I think he's going to end up one of the best uh, D-line prospects in America. Um, and I thought that after going to watch him. And he's at Oak Nathan Ridge. Nathan O'Neill had him in a camp Sunday. He's the guy at Oak Ridge. And, uh, at Oak Ridge. Yep. And Nathan O'Neill had him in a camp Sunday and said, phenomenal talent. Not good, phenomenal talent. Like, he said, just the natural explosiveness at that size and where he's headed. Um, kind of confirmed what I saw at a practice. I hadn't seen him in that setting where a guy like Nathan's working with him and putting him through it. But uh, Texas is coming from behind on the Oak Ridge kids, whether that's a jo Jonah Johnye or Justin Williams, the linebacker. Uh, that one's Texas working from behind on those two kids. No way around it. Um, neither one have set up official visits in June as of Friday at 1 p.m. Um, but I think there's a chance both do. Uh, Ajanye has got spring game visits already, Oklahoma 15th, I believe A&M on the 22nd. So he's not likely to come back in April. Um, I think George is about to offer him, and that's going to make things sticky for anybody. Uh, so Texas is playing from behind on those guys. They got to get January. They got to get that one before the season. I think Texas looks good there. And then they got to they got to see where things go with Terrence Hibbler out of Mississippi, who says he's coming back for a June official visit. I think that's Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Texas right now. Then there's Isaiah Fagad, the kid out of uh, Phoenix Central. That's going to be hard to break away from Utah's coaching 
uh, staff because his uncle's the D-line coach. But he told me two days ago, only Texas and Utah are guaranteed official visits. But he's not going to sign until probably November. So that one's going to play out a little longer. Yeah, it sounds like I, I wrote an article on Inside Texas today talking about a different style of recruiting that's going on and, and why the pace of it is so yeah. much different than what we're accustomed to. And I think there's a variety of reasons for that. The portal is one. Uh, NIL is certainly another. Uh, I even think, you know, now that you mentioned it, Jerry, I think going to the SEC and the type of players they're recruiting uh, makes a difference. You're not as reliant solely on Texas players right. that are looking to make early decisions. Uh, there's just a number of different factors uh, there for everybody. It, it, it's, I want to make something clear for before we move on for Texas fans here that um, that aren't on inside Texas, uh, if, and they should be. But D-line recruiting is the toughest in America in the SEC region. This is not for the faint of heart. This is not just kids are going to commit. I mean, this is – you don't bring a knife into these battles. I'll say that. I mean, it's real. There's a reason that that – these kids are battled for like they are. And there's a reason it took Kirby smart a few years to get over the hump against Alabama. And he's now got a better front seven and it took a while. And, you know, Clemson had that run of defensive linemen where they were absolutely dominant uh, without having the best athletes on defense, but they had the best defensive line going. Um, so there's a reason these recruitments are the toughest to win once you head East from Louisiana and up into the Carolinas. Got it. All right, Ian, this one's going to be for you, bud. Uh, we're taking y'all's questions here on the live stream uh, on uh, Inside Texas and on Texas Football Friday live stream uh, each and every Friday from one to two. Jerry, Ian, and myself try to answer your questions, talk a little football and sports with Longhorn fans across the interweb. Uh, let's get it going. This one's going to be for Ian. Do you think Kelvin Banks is Jonathan Ogden good? Uh, let's be clear, Jonathan Ogden's Hall of Fame kind of guy. So, I mean, and, and once a decade, once a generation type player. Uh, Ian, you ready to go that far? I'm not, personally. No. I, for one, I don't actually know Ogden's career super well. I know he's like a Hall of Famer. I know that he's like the guy in the blind side that's like, hey, here's here's what you, where you're aiming. Um Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But uh, I don't remember what his high school career looked like. I will say that um, I can't think of very many Big 12. I don't know if I can think of any Big 12 linemen that I don't think Banks compares favorably to that I've watched in the last like 10 years. You would have to go like almost exclusively at Oklahoma guys to even get close. That's where I'm going. Trent Williams is your one. Compare him to Trent Williams. That's who you compare him to. Same frame. He's That's better than Trent point. Williams was at this age. By he's are he's safely better than Trent Williams was uh, as a Trent Williams didn't really explode until he was like a senior, and Banks was terrific as a freshman. So I mean, Williams I, may have more upside though. You know, long term. Maybe, I mean, you're talking about maybe. a Hall of Fame guy, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he was amazing. But uh, I was looking at Jonathan Ogden was six eight. I was looking for six five offensive tackles. Kelvin yeah. makes a six five, right? There's a Jonathan Ogden was a total freak show, right? I mean, Trent Williams is a 6'5 offensive tackle. You know, here's another one for you guys. Um, our, our Jason Peters from Hooks. I mean, a 6'5, he was a tight end, converted to offensive tackle, probably more athletic than Kelvin. But I was thinking of 6'5 guys from Texas, Texas fans would know that would have gone on to be great pros. I've got to tell you this he's from Queen City because I went by his yes, high school. Yeah. <laughs> not, not Hooks. Right, he was sure. Queen City. Lane Johnson call. is the other one, and, and he's kind of a different guy. But, uh, yeah. All right. This is from Bevo Fan. When is the spring orange and white game? It's April 15th. Uh, Joe Cook had a, had an article uh, today that was kind of interesting. I was reading it on InsideTexas.com. Uh, something like how many different games or spring games are on April 15th? There's like eight in the SEC. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's like 30-plus just on April 15th alone. Texas being one of those, I think uh, the game itself starts at one 
on, and, on. And let's be let's let everybody know why that is. The spring evaluation period starts April 15th. So college coaches are going to be on the road April 17th. That's when spring high school football starts. So everything's got to be centered around being able to get out and evaluate those kids in spring football. Uh, let's go to this one. Jay Lee uh, with Super Chat. Thank you, Jay. Uh, how come I haven't heard anyone talk about Barron or Gilbo? I'll take care of Gilbo first. Gilbo's out this spring with a uh, torn knee. He's rehabbing. He'll be back in the fall. Uh, Barron has been starting – and I think the reason that you haven't heard as much or anything about him is he's got his position locked up. He doesn't really have much anybody pushing him uh, back there. I think that uh, Austin Jordan's seen some time at the position, uh, but really, legitimately, it's been Jade Barron uh, with the ones and and not many not many others. It's not because he's not looking good, et cetera. Can, can I say if we heard if we were hearing a lot about Barron or Ford, that probably mean they're hurt. And, you know, it's like the official. You only hear about the officials right when they make a bad call. So the fact that you're not hearing about those guys is actually a good thing. <laughs> we know what they can do on the field. That, that's a great point, Jerry. All right. Uh, next one. How is the kicking game? Uh, so I'll, I'll take this one as well because I actually talked to somebody this week uh, about it. Uh, the uh, kicker is expected to be uh, Burt Auburn. He is the guy again. Uh, Burt was the the big hair Noticed him the first guy. Sideshow Burt. What's that? Sideshow yeah, Burt. Burt Auburn. Uh, Burt Auburn, and his, his hair is Auburn. Uh, but long story short, he'll be the kicker as of right now, backed up by Will Stone. Will Stone is still handling kickoffs as far as I understand. But the punting situation is dubious at best on campus right now. That being said, the Longhorns did get a commitment uh, from a uh, portal transfer from Stanford that had started for, I think, three or four years for Stanford. And he won't show up until May, however. Uh, but the punting game right now on campus, uh, from what I'm being told for those who have been at practice, leaves a lot to be uh, desired. Bobby, you know I'm a punting guy, and I don't even watch it in warm-ups in the media window. So <laughs> <laughs> so true. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, Jerry, uh, and Ian, you guys both take your time on this one because I think it's a good question by King Me. In what ways does Ewers benefit from having Manning in the QB room this year? Go ahead, Ian. I think um, one regard is all the media attention that Manning gets, and um, I think that for a kid like you, I'm not. I don't know that Ewers doesn't strike me as necessarily being like a diva or like being really prone to, you know, outside noise. But you cannot be a young guy and have all that spotlight on your young up and coming, you know, competition when you're coming off of a disappointing year and that not, you know, push you a little bit. So I think for sure in that regard, having Manning around and having Adam Schefter tweeting about him pushing you is uh, is probably a benefit to to yours. I bet Sark was was just thrilled for all that to happen and fired <laughs> him. And then <clears throat> I think just Manning's approach is probably good as well. It's kind of like uh, when uh, all that young generation of players played in the in the Olympics with Kobe Bryant, and they saw how Kobe Bryant would lift and work before practices, and they were like, "Oh, you know," it, it, it like pre propelled the game of like LeBron James and all these other generational stars that didn't realize what kind of level of work they needed to put in to compete with Kobe Bryant before that. I don't know if Arch Manning is quite that intense, but I do think he brings more of a professional approach yes. in than yours did coming out of, you know, South Lake and spending a, a year on the sideline at Ohio State. Uh, Bobby, I, I get your because you saw you noticed this and said something in a post, and I think I think it lets you pull off of this. I think it's interesting, like, and this is not a knock on anybody that was a quarterback last year behind yours, but when Quinn would throw the ball last year in a reps against Air. He didn't see anybody that had similar talent to him. Now he sees that, and that is a big difference when somebody can maybe throw the post corner a little better than you can. And maybe he throws something a little more actual than you do with similar arm talent, not Quinn's arm. It's a different feeling when you're in watching that guy versus last year watching the guy say nobody's really can compete with me from in, in this setting. So here's what I would say. It makes you mind your P's and Q's, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's like if you have true competition, 
um, it, it makes that way. Now, the thing about last year is he was trying to overcome someone right. with Hudson Card, right? This time he's the incumbent. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it could be interesting to see how he takes to that. I mean, because we don't know. I mean, nobody really pushed him at Southlake. I mean, no offense, but that, that, that didn't happen. And so I, I don't know how much he'll benefit. I, I do think it, it will keep him on his toes more. Because I think as talented as Malik Murphy is, he's not necessarily ready, right? Uh, Arch right. is one of those guys that that could be potentially ready because he's he's been running the offense now already for a couple of years. He's not trying to amp that up as much, even though there is a, a distinct difference in the the uh, level of play. It's just it's just different. It's kind of funny, like uh, the last media window I was at, and when Malik Murphy was running second team, it made me think back to not to major Adam Dunn and Sims. Now, the difference is Murphy can't leave to go baseball because, you, you know, anybody who was at Texas at that time, Adam Dunn was probably the most gifted quarterback there. Now, he might have hit Mad Dog on the sidelines with an errant out route three out of ten times, but he was the most gifted guy there. But so Malik Murphy can't go to pro baseball, so all three of these guys are going to be there competing against each other, which is a good thing for Sark. Hey, but let's this is, this is a good question, Xavier. Delgado asking, is March, Arch Manning competing for the backup quarterback spot? Yes, absolutely. Does that mean he'll necessarily burn his red shirt? No, not necessarily, unless somebody gets injured and then it becomes a true competition between he and Malik Murphy, uh, in my opinion. But uh, Arch Manning absolutely uh, would be one of those guys. Ian, here's another Quinn Ewers question for you from Just a Dude. With what Quinn is showing at practice, what is a yawn pace to look like stat wise? for a season and let's let's go ahead and give him the the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be healthy the entire way through doing some uh quick math here on my calculator he should if he's not over three thousand yards passing then something went wrong uh, he, it, he, he it went by wrong you mean like with the offense or injury injury I, the, I think it would need to be injury from what we've seen and heard so far um they just have so much depth now. I think like the the biggest fear would be that they don't run the ball very well, um, and they have to put too much on his plate. But even then, they have so many weapons, and he's coming along enough that they might still be able to be a, a pretty good offense, leaning a little harder on the pass than maybe they would like to, or maybe would be optimal. So, uh, yeah, he threw like four hundred pass attempts last year, which is kind of a lot, especially for how run heavy they were. And uh, if he completes, if he if he throws 400 passes next year and hits eight yards per attempt, which is pretty modest if they're using a lot of play action effectively, then that's 3,200 yards. This is the calculation I just did. So, okay, all right. Hey, we're going to try to get through. This is uh, Bobby Burton and uh, Jerry Hamilton as well as Ian Boyd. We're going to try to get to about 10 to 15 more questions uh, here as we wrap up this segment of uh, the live stream on Friday. Uh, brought to you by Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to do something different with your life, give Andy a shout. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, he is a, a consultant uh, that can help you figure out what uh, franchise business is best for uh, best for you uh, to operate. Just a good guy as well, and has helped out a number of people uh, here on the program. All right, let's get going. And, and Jerry, I want to go back to you here. Uh, and ask this one real quick from Austin McFadden, linebacker with the best pass rushing potential tools. Good question, Austin. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to go with Anthony Hill on that because he's such a in he's such a talented downhill player naturally. I, I think he's he plays almost like a running back at times with his pad level. Right, he's he's in a position to play downhill. Um, and I think he's got linked and I think he's physically advanced for his age. And, and he's a guy that if you told me they were use um, in, in some sub package or something as a pass rusher, it wouldn't shock me. I, I think he's just really gifted there naturally. And he is a sea ball, fine ball, hit guy, carrying ball player. And, and I think he, that puts him ahead of the other linebackers. Ian may have a different answer. I I I have one other possibility, but y'all are gonna laugh. Move I think Jalen Ford outside. <laughs> no, Jed Bush. Jed Bush. I think Jed Bush is probably the best pass rushing inside linebacker on the team right now. I think Hill will surpass him, 
with time. But Bush has a similar downhill power, uh, and he's got a lot more reps in like how to time the blitz, how to find the gaps and all that, how to disguise it. I mean, he played defensive end, and there were times where he actually looked pretty decent as a pass rusher. It's just that he would get swallowed up right. being so close to the line of scrimmage. But now that he's back at inside linebacker, I think it's possible that he might actually be the best. They have, they have, a, lot of, they have a lot of good blitzing linebackers now, though. Bendo was, was pretty good. Um, Blackwell is pretty good. Hill should be the best whenever, you know, it all comes together. explaining. All right. Uh, which new, this from Silver Fox, which new body needs the most work and who is the most physically ready developed to play D1 now? I'm going to say Sadir Mitchell needs a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and Kojo second. Okay. Andre Kojo. Those are the two that, that they need to get going. It, and by the way, that doesn't mean that Sadir Mitchell is not going to be ready come August to play D1 yeah. ball. <clears throat> uh, that, that doesn't preclude him. It's just that's where his body needs to go. Jerry, you have you you've been out to practice. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, no, I think I think it's Sadir and, and Kojo for sure. Um, you know, it's crazy. The physically ready develop to play D1 now is a great question because most of the answers would go to uh Anthony Hill, um, maybe even Malik Muhammad at corner, right? I mean, guys that are for their position are physically developed. Um, I've always put Cedric Baxter in the needs to develop physically because he's from the state of Florida and the setup's just not like Texas. But I've got to go with a guy that's physically ready to play, but he won't play, is Connor Stroh. Connor Stroh came to college stronger than anybody else at, on the offensive line, pretty much. And he lost a lot of weight, um, and he does not look out of place. He does Where you look at Kojo and say, okay, he's, he needs some time. Where you look at Kirkland and say, okay, they could shed a little bit off of him. Where you look at Sadir Mitchell saying, Connor Stroh's just a large human that is stronger than everybody else. And he got quicker from junior to senior year. So he's a guy I would look at and say, you know what? If he had the play, he could physically hold up the play. If you include skill, I think it's Malik Muhammad. Yeah. And he's advanced. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Let's go this way uh, from Jared Voswinkle. Basketball question. And Jerry, you wrote a little bit about this today with uh, Rodney Terry being named head coach. Is there now a staff position we're looking for? Uh, give them the rundown. Yeah, the associate head coach position has been posted by the university. Um, that's the position Rodney was in prior to uh, being the interim and now head coach. Uh, Chris Ogden during the season slid into from the GM of Texas basketball to the assistant role, and they had to do that so he could get on the road and go recruit and, and evaluate, go see A.J. Johnson during the season out in California, and Rodney did not have time to do that. Um, now I believe Ogden will go move back to his GM role of Texas basketball, which I think is great for him, and it's great that Texas has that role because of all the things we talk about, NIL, transfer portal, all of it moving forward. Um, you need that position in college basketball. And so I think the associate head coach position is, is the one that's been posted and is open. I think Brandon Chappelle for sure stays. He's been out on the road with Rodney recruiting. Uh, Bob Donovald is out is with the staff in Houston at the Final Four right now. I'll be surprised if he's not back. Steve McLean, who's the special assistant to the head coach, did a really good job defensively uh, after Rodney became head coach, and that was kind of off Rodney's plate um, part, some, partly. We'll see what Steve McLean does. Does he have another uh, assistant job? Somebody uh, hires him. We'll see. Um, I know he's really liked working with Rodney and, and being in Austin. So we'll see. I would think they keep that position if he's fine with that. So the associate head coach has been posted. Um, and right now that's the one assistant spot open. And I would think that's going to go to a former head coach or a longtime division one coach that has a lot of experience recruiting, a lot of connections, both high school, AAU portal um, is going to be really key because Rodney did a ton of heavy lifting and recruiting uh, for Chris Beard when he was the associate head coach. And as great as Rodney is as a recruiter, it comes more with more responsibilities. And during the season when RT can't get out, that heavy lifter has to be able to get out on the road. Got it. All right. Uh, let's go this this one. I want this one to be for Ian and I want all of us to answer it because I think it's a good one as well. Do you expect our OL to be better in the run game or the passing game? Will that have a significant impact on Sark's play calling? The answer is yes, it will have an impact. 
whatever they're best at or whatever needs to be prioritized, they will do that. We saw them uh, focus on Bijan in the second half of last season once they knew uh, they had to ride him and just couldn't get it, get, couldn't uh, really connect on the deep ball. Um, I think they'll be better in the run game again this year. I just don't think the interior is set up to be great at pass protection at this point. And Christian Jones is not a great pass protector. Um, I, I feel like they'll be better in the run game, uh, but we'll see. I, I think they should be more than pa- more than good in both. Uh, Ian, what do you think? You know, I, I agree with all the reasoning you just gave, but I might say pass game partly because they're more experienced, partly because they have Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones is not an amazing pass protector, but he is a, a veteran and he's large. But maybe maybe more importantly than any of those is that the Big 12 just lost a ton of good pass rushers. We're going to see more guys uh, drafted in the big out of the Big 12 as pass rushers in this upcoming draft than we've seen in a while. But as is often the case with the Big 12, is you have boom-bust cycles. There's not the consistency. So um, I don't know that the league is going to have as many good pass rushers next year. So they, whatever the reality is, they may end up looking like a really, really good pass-protecting unit next year um, just by default almost. Here, here's, my, here's my question for you all on this. I want to turn this into a question. Isaiah Naoran's injury was huge last year, I think, in the grand scheme of things for Texas and their plans. If Texas is much better improved, that's with experience and with talent at wide receiver, Jatavion Sanders a year older. If A.D. Mitchell, if they have more of a deep threat at wide receiver and they're tougher to defend at the wide receiver spot, how is that going to impact Texas as a pass-protecting unit if a defensive coordinator is a little more fearful this year? That, I think that's maybe what we need to talk about. They're going to try to blitz him is what's yeah. going to happen. Right. They're going to want to get the ball out of his hand quick. Yep. And make him make decisions. Yep. That's how, that's how I so see that. That puts more pressure on a, on the offensive line from a pass protection standpoint. Would you go with that, Ian? Yeah. Plus, um, with all those receivers, they may be less inclined to put – like, I mean, they played with three tackles half the time yep. last year. Yep. Uh, and they're probably not going to want to do that again. So then you have a running back playing a big role in pass prote- protection. I'm not sure who that is. And that's a young running back. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's simple on some level. Yeah. You have Jatavian Sanders out there in pass protection um, or not at all. Or, you know, either way, it's just different. So, yeah, I think it's probably more blitzing, like Bobby said, is, is going to be the default for a lot of teams to just take your chances on the blitz. You're going to try to get the ball out quick. They're going to try to make viewers make quicker decisions. Because what you don't want Quinn doing is – I think his strength is in the intermediate game. Or, yeah. or I, I really think that's his strength. Um, I mean, not that he's not really good in the short game, but you'd have to be a really bad quarterback to be bad in the short game. But he's really good in the intermediate game. We don't really truly – I don't think we truly know how he is in the downfield passing game because he didn't have anybody to help him make a play last year. You know, I, I mean, so I think that's kind of to be determined. They All may right. uh, they may have to go more empty because when you're the quarterback in like a six-man protection, you have like one guy that you're watching for. And then you, if your running back's not blocking for you or somebody makes a mistake, you can get buried. But in empty, you know, okay, I really have to be aware of the pass rush and I have more options. Yeah. And they have so many running backs that are good receivers. So, yeah, they make it. They may lean into that this year, kind of like in the back. Like we haven't seen since Cole McCoy. All right. We didn't mention this. I want to get to this one from Xavier Delgado. Is there any more news on Deuce Robinson or is that dead? It's dead. He committed to USC yesterday. Was it yesterday or today? Days are running together. For Last me. night. But, okay. Last got night. Yep. Big tight end out of Arizona that was looking at both Texas and Georgia uh, committed to USC. Uh, the uh, Trojans and Lincoln Riley are amassing some young talent on offense to rival what Texas is doing, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah. they are going to be a team uh, to watch out for. Going, uh, Jerry, uh, this looks like it might be our last question today. Uh, Going to get you to answer this from Drewster. I've heard a lot of praise for Cam Williams. Is he in contention to take Christian Jones' spot, or is he starting elsewhere on the line this season? 
Well, I don't think he – I'm not sure I'd pencil him in to be a starter anywhere, um, but I do think he's starting to come on. Um, I, I do will say the second media window I was there at, he was from a hand placement uh, perspective. He was still the guy that Flood had to kind of get on more than some of the other guys who were back for year two. Uh, so I still think there's a learning curve, work in progress. Uh, I don't think he's unseating Christian Jones. Um, I do think if he gets guard reps, he's got a chance to push some guys. But is he – look, that would be at right guard with DJ Campbell. Um, left guard, Neto is going to be the guy to push whoever's there. So I don't think it – I think Cam Williams is going to have to be a little more patient, keep developing. Yeah, I think I think he's definitely behind Christian Jones at this point. No question. Yeah. Uh, the question is whether or not he's going to move to guard. Yeah. Right? Uh Hey, uh, I want to say thanks again to not only Jerry Hamilton, but to Ian Boyd, as well as to our sponsors, Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net and the guys over at Last Stand Hats. Uh, go to LastStandHats.com. Use the promo code BOBBY10 for 10% off. That's going to be do it for today's live stream with Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, thanks for watching. I've got Paul Wadlington tomorrow morning uh, in the AM. Take care now.